Welcome to the Growing With Purpose podcast. I'm Paul Spiegelman, and we're going behind the scenes with very special leaders, learning about what shaped them into who they are in business and in life. My guest today is Max Spielberg president and co-founder of Genexa, a healthier medicine. Max's background in both law and entrepreneurship has made him a successful company leader. As a new dad, his passion for his own family's health and wellness led to the world's first and only certified organic over-the-counter medicine. Welcome, Max. Thanks for having me, Paul. Well, Max, first I got to ask you because it sounds like we have very similar backgrounds. Uh, You went to UCLA, you went to law school, didn't last uh, very long uh, in in a law practice and ended up going into business. Kind of tell us how that all came about and how you ended up starting Genexa. That's a, that's a great question. So I went, obviously, as you said, I went to UCLA. I studied history, and I actually I lo- I loved history and still love history. As soon as I graduated UCLA, though, I realized that you know, history isn't it's not necessarily the the easiest field to get a job in, <laughs> especially without a PhD in it. So I, I realized I had to sort of do something else. And I, I then went and I actually ended up working at, I wanted, I was interested in diplomacy. So I got a job at the United Nations. I actually worked on the border of Afghanistan in a country called Tajikistan. So I was, I was working with Afghan refugees and helping them sort of integrate into being being expatriates, being out of Afghanistan and helping them you know, get the aids, get the, the financial aid and benefits that, that they're entitled to um, under the UN rules. So I, I did that for, for a little while and I quickly became disillusioned with, with, with the United Nations and it's a, a whole other conversation, but I, I just saw that you know, my bosses would sort of work two hours a day and take four hour lunches and leave the office at, at three. And it was just, it wasn't really a, an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial kind of environment. It was really an environment where people were kind of clocking in and clocking out and just going through the motions. And it sort of soured me on the, the idea of working in diplomacy. So I realized I had to do something else. My mother is actually a lawyer and my grandfather was also a lawyer, so I figured, you know what, lots of I have lots of family members that are lawyers. Maybe maybe this would be a smart thing for me to do. So I, I went to law school and I graduated in 2012, which was, of course, the probably the worst time to, to graduate law school in the past couple of decades. Mm. <laughs> so the time I graduated was the time that. Uh, lots of big firms were, were firing people or stopped hiring, and a lot of big firms were actually kind of going under. So I, I couldn't get a job when I graduated, and I realized I would have to find something where I could just hire myself. <laughs> yeah. So I I ended up getting into – I was very passionate about about healthcare. My my grandmother had had a, a really bad experience with her home health care agency, and I thought, well, maybe, maybe, the, maybe this is an area I could make a difference in. So I, I ended up starting um, one, and then many other home health care agencies, and I did that for for a couple of years, and until I 
became, I guess you could say, became a little bit disillusioned <laughs> with home health care because it was it, it was very challenging because you're you're getting paid by by Medicare or Medicaid, and the government really does not reimburse you very much for the services. But of course, you're you want to hire the best home health aides and nurses and doctors to provide services, but to get the best people, you just, you have to, you have to pay more and, and you really can't because it's all reimbursed by the government. So it, it became a little bit frustrated, frustrating. And I, I actually, I love the business and, and, and the, my business partner and I, who started the business, we, we were, we were very close friends, but I realized I needed to, to get out of the sort of government reimbursed, type of type of business model and do something where I felt I would have a little bit more freedom to just provide the best products and services we could. So that led to uh, Genexa to you guys, you and your partner starting yeah, that one. So at the time I was thinking of, of getting out of my other business and doing something new. I actually was, was just getting married and really thinking about starting a family and really becoming just more aware of sort of, health and wellness and, and what we put into our bodies. And I guess there's something about getting married and that makes you just start thinking about the future and gives you a little bit of a different perspective on things. So I actually, I, I just became very aware of the type of food we eat and beverages we drink. And I started noticing that the, the ingredients in a lot of the over-the-counter medicines are, are really actually unhealthy and actually often toxic. So there's um, an example I always like to give, which Johnson & Johnson hasn't come after me yet for it, so I can keep giving it. <laughs> uh, if you look at a Tylenol, there's um, about 2% of, of a Tylenol is acetaminophen, and the other, uh, approximately the other 98% is just inactive ingredients. So the, the, not, the inactive ingredients are things like just lots of synthetic ingredients, even things like sorbitol, which is actually, it's also an active ingredient in itself that has quite a few side effects. So I just started thinking about the over-the-counter medicine space in general and, and learning about, about it. And I was just, I kept wondering, well, why are there all these ingredients in over-the-counter medicine that have already been removed from the food industry and have already probably been removed from even cosmetics and personal care, you still see them all over the, the, o, the OTC medicine industry. So it really just got, got me thinking about, you know, is there a way to make medicine healthier and, and to provide other options for people? So with um, a close friend of mine, David Johnson, who he became my, my business partner and, and our CEO, he and I, he was also very passionate about healthcare and, and he, he grew up in, in a very health-oriented kind of family. Both his parents are, are, are healthcare practitioners. So we really started talking together about the space and, and just thinking about, is there a way we can make healthier medicine? So together, David and I went and, and started talking to doctors and manufacturers and trying to figure out, is there a way to, to make a healthy medicine? Is there a way to remove all the synthetic ingredients and toxins that you see in medicine? And everyone said no. <laughs> So all the doctors and manufacturers, everyone said, there's no way to do it. You, you need all these unhealthy ingredients to, to bind 
the tablet together or to, or to be a preservative system and a liquid that you, there's a reason all these big companies do it. And that's because it, it's, you know, it's always been like that and it has to always be like that. So being, a being, I guess, I don't know if you want to call it stubborn or persistent, but probably a little bit of both. We, David and I kept, <laughs> kept pushing and talking to more people and talking to more people. And finally we found a manufacturer that said, you know what, maybe there is a way to do this. Let, let's try some R and D. So we, with this manufacturing partner and some formulators and chemists, we started going into R and D and trying to see, is there a way to make healthier medicine? And after about six months, this manufacturer said, guys, there's no way to do this. We can't do it. And of course, we drove down to the facility and got on our knees and begged and said, you know, please, one more time, <laughs> just try it one more time. Mm. And about a year and a half later, and lots of begging them, we, we eventually figured it out and, and filed for patents around the technology that we created, which is really technology around how to make, how to make healthy medicine. So we... We then launched into commerce about a year and a half ago, and it's been—it's just—it's been an amazing success so far. We're in about thirty thousand stores, and the, the customer feedback has has been incredible. So we get emails probably on a weekly basis, if not daily basis, about how our products have changed people's lives, and they've been waiting for a company to make a product without to make a medicine without all these unhealthy ingredients. So it's been, it's probably been the most outside of having a family uh, getting married and having children. Uh, this business has definitely been really on a personal note, the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Yeah. What an incredible journey uh, and how this all developed. As you're talking, I'm thinking uh, how ironic it is to think of medicine as being unhealthy uh, and, uh, I'm probably like most people that just wouldn't even think about that. Or if I took Tylenol, I'm not reading the label to look at all those other ingredients. I just want to fix my headache or my cold or, or whatever. Um, how, how have you guys progressed in this last year and a half? You're obviously in all these retail outlets. Where are you in terms of size, you know, revenues, employees? Just give us a sense of how you guys have done so far. Yeah, so not sure exactly where to start. There's There's been a lot of growth and sometimes – it's, it's hard to kind of keep up with it in terms of from a, a staffing, you know, team member standpoint to a sales standpoint to just new product standpoint. So it's been, it's been a, a really incredible year. We've gone from, we basically started the business in really our, you know, my bedroom and, and my business partner, David's bedroom, <laughs> at meeting, at, mm-hmm. you know, meeting at Starbucks and Coffee Bean you know, weekly, a couple times a week. And we went from that to actually we, we basically our first office was was a guest house that we we spent a couple thousand dollars and redid it and turned it into an office. And now we have we went from we now we have a regular office and we just we're just building a second office right now. So we started with about just two people and and then we're now at about fifteen people. And of course we started with just literally taking the our, our products and and going to pharmacies and saying, hey, can you, you know, can you please, please, please just put this on your shelf and <laughs> and see if it sells, and then you, you know you can pay me in six months. I don't care. Just just please, you know, just do me a favor and put this on. And then now it's it, it, that went to one pharmacy and and the products sold quickly. And then we went to two, and and now you know we got into chains like GNC and. 
and fresh thyme and lots of the, the natural and specialty retailers and pharmacy chains. So it just, it's, it's grown, it's really grown, I'd say one store at a time, one day at a time, but it, it went to one chain at a time, one state at a time pretty quickly. Yeah. And what's amazing to me is how diverse your story has been and much of it, uh, through necessity, right? I mean, you, you know, you were, um, you came out of law school, couldn't really get a job. Um, you went to work for the UN before that, which was amazing. I, I, I too was a history major at UCLA. I was only a history major because I had some extra credits from high school and I couldn't, uh, I couldn't, uh, pass my chemistry exam to be a doctor. So I didn't do anything, uh, you know, wonderful, like go to try to work at the UN or go to a foreign land or anything like you did. Um, but after not, you know, working, uh, for uh, a short while as a lawyer, going into the home healthcare world, becoming ultimately disillusioned with uh, the regulatory environment you were working in, um, said, okay, I'm on to the next thing. And, and, uh, so this, this kind of bootstrapped idea that you and David, uh, coming from a personal experience, um, is so familiar to, to many of us. And I just want people to understand that, that most businesses come out of just that, uh, a personal experience with, in our lives, our families, uh, something that happens that gives us that push. Um, in your own case, you had your first, your first daughter, um, you, uh, by the way, just last week you had your second daughter, congratulations. Um, but, it, but that, you know, getting married and starting your family changed your focus on life. You became more aware of things like, uh, healthy living, healthy eating, uh, which led to this whole, uh, concept of developing this organic over-the-counter medicine. Now you're in thousands of retail locations. I mean, who would have ever thought you'd end up from the early days into this, uh, into this a re- big retail and growing retail business with a, a larger staff, which means you've been forced into, a, you know, quickly into leadership mode and all the things that come with that. So this idea of being uh, stubborn or persistent uh, I think has been uh, has served you very well over the years, and you're still very young in in your journey with so much ahead of you. So let me bring you back a little bit. We'll come back to the company a little bit, but I want to go back to how this all started and and your growth as a leader. Um, were there things that happened in your childhood or, or the way you were raised by your folks, or a time where you f- finally said, you know what, I I am a leader. I've got potential to do something really special. What, what comes to mind? That's that's a a really good question. It's to be honest, it's probably one that's it's a little hard to answer because there's not there's not one experience I can I can think of that sort of shaped me as as a leader. If I don't even necessarily call myself a leader, but I guess at this point, and when you're technically you're managing. You're, uh, 15 people and and you're you're leading a company i guess you are a leader so i always just i guess i try to someone that due to my own experience i I really try to stay humble and sort of remember you know all the struggles i've had and all the things i've had to overcome so i think if you you stay that way it's a it's a good way to to keep you humble in terms of my childhood i'd say that my parents really tried to raise me in a way where they would put a lot of decisions on me and encourage me to really think critically about things and just to have a lot of confidence in myself. So I guess one thing that I actually had 
on a personal level, I actually had a lot of learning disabilities growing up. I had uh, different visual processing disorders and ADD, and I was given all kinds of medications <laughs> when I was in middle school. So uh, it wasn't, I definitely, I learned differently than other kids. And I think that with struggles like that, my parents really tried to just to make sure I, I believed in myself and, and was confident in myself and was able to, to really look at things and make decisions and, and give me the confidence to stick by those decisions. So I think that's something that my parents did, which was really important for, for becoming, becoming a business person and, and, and becoming successful in business. And one example I always go back to, which is, is really interesting to me is in, in, in the, in this current business, Genexa, we've, we've had, we've met with a lot of, really, um, I'd say kind of high powered pharmaceutical executives and distributors and all, all kinds of, of really successful people in the pharmaceutical industry, which is obviously a, a huge industry. And the, the, the number of times we've been told, no, that's impossible. No, you can't do this. It, it's just <laughs> you know, from, from people saying, no, you'll never be able to make a healthy medicine because you need magnesium stearate. <laughs> And you need sorbitol to bind the products together. To you know, to the number of times people said, "No one, no one's ever going to buy a healthy medicine because pe- people don't people don't care if medicine's healthy." To even now that we started, to, we start to sell on our website at genexahealth.com. Uh, we, they, people said, you know, there, "There's no way you'll ever sell medicine online. No one buys medicine online. People will only buy it in a pharmacy." And then. Then we heard you'll never be able to sell medicine on a subscription model because people don't. There's no such thing as subscriptions for medicine, and, and nobody cares about that. And then now we create a subscription model, which is is rapidly growing because it's it's just it's a more convenient and more inexpensive way for people to buy our medicine. So, just the number of times that just major experts have said, you know, what you're doing is never going to work. You know, forget about it. <laughs> Go back. Go back to your bedroom, boys. It's um, and, you know, go back home, kids. It's just it's shocking, but we, we just keep sort of proving them wrong. And I, I think I really credit my parents a lot with you know, raising raising me to sort of just be, go after you know, what what I think makes sense. Yeah, stick with it. Stick with it, and uh, uh, you're going to hear a lot of no's before you hear yes. And it's obviously worked out really well for you guys. What about other early jobs yeah, so along the way? Be- Anything that significant in your development the best things i ever did before i started genexa was i actually took a job at i actually just took a sales job at a pharmaceutical company and the reason i did that was at at my previous business one of my i think one of my biggest faults at my previous company was i had never really worked in the home health care industry so i was just learning everything from scratch and I had no background whatsoever. And so before Genexa, I actually took a job, just a door-to-door salesperson. (laughs) You're going to doctor's office, pitching, pitching medicines type of job. And it was, um, it, it, obviously I I only did it for, I, I didn't do it for that long. I did it for about, for, for about, uh, six or seven months. So uh, there's only so much you can learn in that time, but it was, it was a really valuable experience in a lot of ways. Number one, it just, it taught me a lot about the pharmaceutical industry and just, it actually taught me 
how corrupt the, the pharmaceutical industry really is when when you get into kind of what what companies do and and how they interact with, with the federal governments. Mm. So today you've talked about uh, how at the UN they took four hour lunches and worked two hours a day, and um, you know not not all things that you that go on in the pharmaceutical industry are uh, sort of you know above board. How have you maintained? Uh, uh, your level of integrity and in staying above board in in, in light of um, those observations. I, I think we really try to do. Obviously, we, we do what's legally required because that's just it's that's law. You have to follow it. I think we also really just try to to go above and beyond what's legally legally required and and just do what's right. So, an example is when it comes to to. FDA testing of drug products. There is a, there there are FDA rules around you know, what type of products have to be tested and when and how long you have to do testing. And so we actually we actually go above and beyond that as a company because I just I think it's the right thing to do. And there's lots of examples even when it comes to just working with with employees. One of the one of the other jobs I had was um, there's a job I had a while ago. And I was actually, I remember there was a time I was actually doing very well at the job. It was another sales job. And I was actually, I was actually let go with, with no warning whatsoever, even though I was performing very well. And before my boss let me go, I actually asked her because I knew she didn't like me. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I, and I asked her, you know, should I be worried about my job? And she said, no. I guess she didn't. I guess I was. I was a little too opinionated at, at that job. I probably should have sort of you know, stayed in my place, so to speak. But I saw. I saw the company doing things that didn't make sense, and I would say, "Well, you know, why are you working through a distributor when you could be selling direct?" And we have the customer's info, so there's no reason to do it. Go through a middle middle party, but that wasn't that wasn't what I was hired to do. So they they let me go. But before I. I'd asked her before I was like, oh, if I should be worried about my job. And she said, no, you have nothing to worry about. And then they fired me a couple weeks later. So one thing that's that's been really important to me is just being upfront with everyone and being transparent. So when it comes to, especially when it comes to people on our own team, if someone's not someone's not doing their job, someone's not performing the way, the way they should be. I think it's, it's just, it's really important to have a conversation with them and let them know, you know, this is, this is where you're excelling. This is where, where you're not excelling. This is, these are the problems. You know, this is the time you have to fix it. And how do I help you fix things? Um, rather than just letting someone go, because ultimately your team is really, they're the people that, that are helping you get to, get to where you're going. And really the most important thing yeah, I, I I agree. I think what happened to you should really never happen where it's a surprise like that. Um, and if you're open and honest with people about where they stand, um, then at there there will be a time when there are people that don't fit. But um, and if you have the courage to make that change, it won't be a surprise to them, and maybe a relief to them and other people in the in the business. So that was a really important uh, lesson for you to learn. And, um, you know, whether you admit it or not, and I kind of, I understand what you're saying, the kind of the humble approach to say, I'm not even sure I'm a leader. The fact is you are a leader and it's taken you, um, 
a lot of leadership lessons along the way to learn how to be a better leader. Um, can you think of an emotional event maybe that happened along the way that shaped you in your leadership approach? Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm thinking about it's a it's a really really good. Question. I'm just I'm thinking about I'm thinking about the best the, the best way to answer it. Um, I think for me something that a couple of things that really stuck out to me were probably just. Just to be open with you, probably just failures I've had, and and just remembering what that felt like and and how I've learned from it. So, I think one of the things I go back to is, like I said, at a time where I was fired with with no warning whatsoever, and that's something that has really shaped me in terms of just making me understand how important it is to be, like you said, to be open with and honest with people, and and really to. To, to work with people and figure out you know how to make them successful and if, if it's not going to work out letting them know and just just and what it felt like to be kind of on the receiving end of that was was really important I, I also think a lot about you know, what it felt like to 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 be the guy that just spent was $150,000 in debt finishing law school and, and couldn't couldn't get a job and I think that that really just taught me how it, it really taught me how just how important it is to to sort of believe in yourself and and make things happen because you, you can't always depend on you can't always depend on being able to get a job so that were those were things that really shaped me and I think really just keep me in help me keep things in perspective when I'm, when I'm stressed out at work or, or I feel like things are sort of, if things didn't go the way I'm in the office at midnight still and things didn't go the way I wanted them to at all. I think just understanding, well, things can always be worse and you know, look at all the opportunities that, that we have in front of us right now with, we have a whole company that's, that, 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 that we're leading and all the places we can go with this company. So I think those humbling experiences have really stayed with me. The, the other emotional event that I think has has shaped my leadership approach, which is not necessarily a business event, but I think really just the birth of my daughters, especially now with um, I have a, my, my newest daughter, Esty, who's six days old now, just seeing kind of the love for life that, that babies and newborns have and, and how how much they appreciate smiles and music and it being taken outside for 10 minutes to just, just see trees. It's, it's really, it's really incredible to watch. And I think having, having perspective is really important in leadership and you know, having some, some gratitude for just being healthy, being alive, being, being in a great position in life. So I think, I think perspective is really important. Yeah. That, and, uh, just coming off six days of having your second daughter, I can just imagine it brings you back down to earth, tells you what's important, and um, just those those smiles, uh, the sounds, all those things. And um, so I can I can remember those days. Uh, but now I have a sixteen year old. That's a whole different phase. You'll you'll get to someday. Um, but uh, but yeah, enjoy this while you can for sure. That's that's what I would say. And um, you know what. Uh, what's happened over the last couple of years is is amazing in terms of transition um, into a business that has 
a growing number of employees, a ton of customers, and everything that goes with that. So that's got to be you know, overwhelming at times. Uh, you've won a lot of awards already as an organization, very uh, sustainable practices, uh, a registered B Corp. Uh, what have you done to to really to try to build a culture, uh, a special culture inside the business, not only creating this wonderful, uh, sustainable, organic product, but to build a, a, a culture where people enjoy what they're doing every day? I think it's something we, we're working on every day. I don't know that we're there yet, but I think it's it's sort of there's a continual improvement of of the culture that that always has to happen so and it's also challenging because we're still we're still a very early stage company we're we're a startup we've been we've been in business less than two years so the hours we work are not they're not nine to five and and we're just we're not going to be able to get to where we need to go with people working eight hour days so it's it's challenging for for everyone here and all of us that are making sacrifices so people are putting in a lot more, a lot more hours than they would without a regular job. And, and it's just, we've really tried to, to make it a mission driven environment where I like to say that we're, we're sort of, we really look at ourselves as, as the company that's, that's changing, changing the face of medicine and providing the only healthy options for people that in, in a space where, where other than us, there just aren't any. And I welcome, I'm, hopefully there will be more competitors and, and there'll be even more options than just us for people. So we, we just, we have a big mission. And I think the people that are, are part of this are, are really committed to the mission. And we also just been able to, to, to bring on just really good people that you know, they're hard workers and they're talented, but they also, they also just value what we're doing and, and, and share values in the sense of, you know, they also just, just want to be good people and, and, and be nice and, and, and be, be good, good team members. Yeah. And, and, uh, <clears throat> that is a very lofty mission. And, uh, so I, I would assume you guys really attract some special people and yet, even in these first couple of years, I got to believe there's times when you've had to make tough decisions uh, in the business and may, may or may not be around people. But if you think about kind of that last couple of years, uh, a really tough decision that you had to make, what comes to mind? I think that the toughest decision is is one now that fortunately we we, we deal with every day, but it's, it's who, who do you hire? Because... We, we've made the mistake of, of, of we've made the mistake of hiring the wrong person. We've 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 hired people that just they just wanted to be in the pharmaceutical industry, which because it's it's a I guess it's a trillion dollar plus industry, and some people just just want to get into it. And we're we're, we're sort of taking on. I mean, we're a pharmaceutical company, but we're also sort of taking on the pharmaceutical industry. <laughs> so we're we're not really. If you're trying to just get into a traditional pharma company, that's we're definitely not not the right not the right company. So we, we made the mistake of hiring people that are here for the wrong reason. We've also made the mistake, which I think we've uh, we've made the mistake of of hiring the right person, but but giving them the wrong job. And so hopefully that's one that we're now <laughs> we're now moving past as well. But really just just being able to attract the right people and and. And, and understanding who to hire are, 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 are just, I think, the biggest challenges we have every day. Yeah, and, and 
probably get the opportunity to do as you're growing to hire people because uh, you need them right away. And sometimes we make the mistake of uh, just getting that next person to fill the seat and not taking the time necessary to really make sure that they fit uh, from a cultural perspective. So um, I can see that as a real realistic challenge that you guys will have going forward. Um, you're, the, the story uh, that you tell is one of um, really uh, – Great progress over and and now just kind of widespread um, exposure of the business and like you said you're hobnobbing with big players in the pharmaceutical industry and knocking down walls and things like that. So as you grow, how do you remain accessible uh, and authentic with those that you're working with every day? I think just going to work every day and <laughs> remembering why we're here. We 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 really started this company. To, to make a difference. And I know, I know it's cheesy and I guess probably most companies say that, but it, it's really what, what I believe in, what my business partner believes in, and really what pretty much everyone at our company believes in. We're, we're all just trying to make a difference. And that's obviously it's a business and we have to be, we have to be, the, the numbers have to make sense for, for things to continue. So we still have to run it like a business, but what motivates us is really just the desire to, to make a difference and, and stick to our mission. So I think sticking to our mission and sticking to our values are really what the things that, that keep us all going and keep us all authentic and allow us to wake up in the morning and, and look ourselves in the mirror every day and know that, know that we did the right thing yesterday, or at least we, we tried to, because <laughs> you can't, I mean, you're always going to going to make mistakes and, and do the wrong thing. But I think as you, as long as you have the intention of, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to work today. I'm going to focus on the right things. I'm going to treat people the right way. Then I, I think that's really the path to just continue to be successful and continue to, to be able to, to make sure that you, you're being true to yourself. And even though you don't necessarily think of yourself as a leader or maybe you've defaulted to it being in a leadership position now as you look back what would you say is the number one quality most important quality of a leader when i think about leadership i actually i actually think about my father a lot and my father is someone who is he's not someone that runs a company he he has his own he has his own small business he's a he's a psychologist so he doesn't have any employees other than himself and he he's very much focused on on treating his patients and he's he's built a nice solo practitioner psychology practice here in LA and one of the things I really learned from him was just again sort of just doing what you believed in my father actually loved loved psychology psychology so much he never he never even wanted to to hire any employees because he just wanted to, he just liked treating patients. So, and he, he's someone that also has made a lot of sacrifices for his family. There was actually a period of time where we, I grew up, I originally am from San Diego and I lived in San Diego till I was 10. Then I was in New York until I was 14. And then after that I came to LA and there was about four years where my father, for personal reasons, my family and I had to move to New York city and so my, my, my father was basically literally every week flying from New York to San Diego, working in San Diego during the week and flying to see us on the weekends for about four years. So, and, and he did it because he believed family was important. It was the right thing to do. He, he wanted, he wanted to, to make sure that, that his kids knew, knew he loved them. So 
I think from him, I learned a lot about, about values and, and doing the right thing, even when, even when it's, it's hard. <laughs> so in terms of being a leader, I think, I think being a leader also is about doing the right thing, even when it's hard, especially, I guess, now being the president of the company, one of the co-founders, there's, there's a lot of things I see that not everyone else sees in the company. So maybe the person operations doesn't necessarily understand the head of operations doesn't necessarily understand what's happening on the sales side or what's happening on, in terms of user acquisition side online. So, uh, and maybe doesn't understand what's happening from an investor standpoint. So there's just, there's a lot of moving pieces. And I think being, being a leader is really just able to make the decision that often is the right decision, but the right decision is often a hard decision because you're, you can, you can, people are not always going to be happy with it. Yeah, it's true. Um, it takes a lot of courage to be able to, to do that. And there's risk involved. You may always not be right, but um, you got to do it. Uh, that's a great one. I love that, doing the right thing even when it's hard. Um, and and you've, you've continued to have an incredible career. I, I uh, would love to, in that crystal ball, know what it's going to be like in five or ten years for you, Max. But um, if you were talking to somebody young uh, that's just maybe coming out of school today and looks at your career and says, I want to be just like you, well, what would you tell them? What kind of advice would you offer? I'd say don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, try try to just get a job at a law firm and nah, that's fun. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's been it's it's been it's been hard. I have a very supportive wife, and I'm, I'm very grateful to her. And she she's taken she takes amazing care of our two children. But it's it's been challenging. The hours are the hours are long. It's it can be very stressful. So I mean, when I say don't do it, I, I'd say it's probably the truth. It's I, I sort of got into this because. I guess I, I wasn't someone that was really hireable. <laughs> I just, I had to sort of do things on my own and it just became my, my path. But it's, it's been, it's been challenging. And if someone can, if someone has a resume where, and the personality where they can get, get a regular job and move up in the company, I think that can be a very rewarding thing to do. It's not really something I know much about, but that's, um, that would be my, that would be my, my advice to them. Well, I don't know if I'm going to agree with you on this one because I think, I think you're doing what you were meant to do. And, uh, all those things have happened to you for a reason. Uh, I'm sure just like, uh, I do, you know, plenty of, uh, lawyers that became lawyers and aren't happy with doing what they're doing, um, after all these years. And that can be said for any profession, Absolutely. right? So, um, we can all go out there and get a job, but to really find our passion where we can make a difference, um, so many times can, is, is for people that whether it's by default, cause you couldn't get a job or you couldn't work with other people or, or you just decided at some point to jump on and start your own thing. I just have so much respect for people that, um, have had the courage to to start their own their own business and what you did was really amazing regardless of whether you could have you know you came out of law school at the right time or got a job immediately or not I, I think you're doing what you were meant to do um, and you and David and the team are really making a, a big difference and um, I, I'm excited just to learn about Genexa and this whole idea because I like many have gotten um, much more aware of uh, 
healthy living and healthy life. And when you think about um, even medicines and the fact that there's something like this available that we can take and ingest and not only make us better, but um, continue to make us, keep us healthy, uh, what a wonderful thing to, to know about. So hopefully people will go to your website and, and learn more. And um, I have just a couple quick questions for you, kind of the association game. And uh, I just want you to tell me the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, so, uh, Max, name a famous leader you look up to. He's, uh, he's definitely not famous. He's famous to me. I, I would really go back to my father. He's someone, he's some, someone I, I really respect and admire and, and have, have learned a lot from. Yeah, I think uh, that I can resonate with that one for sure. And I think a lot of people would too. And sometimes I wonder if that's even the right question because those we tend to learn most for are probably, uh, you know, not necessarily famous in the traditional sense, but are special to us. How about a great book that influenced your leadership style? There's actually a book I just read by by David Kessler, who's he's he he was the former FDA commissioner. He was one of the former FDA commissioners, and he's yeah. he's a medical doctor. He's also an attorney, and it it was really about how he sort of took on big tobacco. And how the FDA started to regulate the tobacco industry and, and all the challenges and people that sort of all the corruption that he saw and, and the challenges and, and the, the financial interests and just all the pushback that he received from everyone to, to politicians, to law enforcement agencies, to, to, to all kinds of business interests, to people at his own agency. It's really it's actually it's actually become one of my favorite books because it's, it really goes back to, to leadership and to doing the right thing when it's hard. What, what a lot of people don't know is when the FDA started trying to regulate tobacco under, under, under Dr. Kessler, almost the entire FDA was against it because <laughs> they didn't want, they didn't want the heat of, of going after big tobacco. They didn't want their funding to be cut. They didn't want, you know, all the work that was going to come with it. And, and Dr. Kessler, the FDA commissioner at the time, said, well, I'm, I'm going to do the right thing. I'm just, I'm just something we're going to do. And obviously, in retrospect, I think probably everyone would agree it was the right decision, except, except for the tobacco companies. <laughs> what was the name of the book, actually? The name of the book was A Question of Intent. Ah, okay. A Question of Intent. All right. How about your all-time favorite movie? My all-time favorite movie is is probably The Big Lebowski. It it has nothing to do with leadership. It's just it just happens to be a movie I <laughs> I, I enjoy watching. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, great movie. All right, so now you're um, you're stranded on an island. You get to take one thing with you. What would it be? This this is a tough question. If if I if I don't say my wife, my, my wife would probably be upset with me, but. She might also be upset that I that I would say I would take her because she's not she's not really a thing either. So it would be <laughs> <laughs> I'd say either my wife or or, or, or my computer. Ah, okay. Uh, you may have a hard time finding a charger, but um, that's but, uh, I didn't I didn't even think of that, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so so let's take the wife. Um, all right. And, uh, lastly, what's something about you that most people don't know? I'm, a, I'm actually, ter- as I mentioned, I, I had, I had a lot of, I have some learning disabilities. I'm, I'm actually terrible at math. Fortunately, my business partner has a background in finance. So that's, um, that's been really, really helpful. But, 
it's so again, I think surrounding yourself with, with the right people and, and people that share your values and, and that, that, that believe in your mission and also have skills that you don't have. Like my business partners, you know, very different skills than, than me. So that's, um, that's been, been something that's been really helpful for me. Yeah. And that, that's so true. And, uh, sometimes as entrepreneurs, we tend to think we know it all. And the first thing about great leadership is realizing you don't and supplementing uh, your weaknesses with other people that are strong. So that math weakness, uh, certainly can be taken on by someone else in this case, David. Um, so it uh, sounds like you guys have a, a wonderful partnership and, this has been great, Max. I, I really enjoy your story and, and what you've learned along the way. And I, I have a sense there's just so much more to go and would love to, to follow your story, as I'm sure our listeners would. A couple key takeaways that, that I had were um, this idea that when, when um, either forced into a decision or you're just simply dis- disillusioned with what you're doing, you have the control you have the opportunity to make change. And whether it was that you couldn't get a job out of law school or you were disenchanted with what was going on at the UN or you saw that it was going to be hard to build your business in home health care because of regulation, you didn't just rest on your loyals. You didn't stick it out for years. You didn't suffer through it. You said, you know, what what can I do next? How can I move forward? And and you had um, the ability to to see ahead, uh, to be entrepreneurial, to have courage, to take risk, and to to move forward that that is really great. The the idea of um, not accepting no and uh, being persistent, and I think uh, it sounds like from your parents just uh, taught you to make your own decisions and to be confident in yourself. That's really hard to do when we're young. And the fact that that was something that they imparted on you was really special and, and I think is serving you very well now. Um, talking about the the fact that, that we all want to build great cultures in our company, but it isn't something that you just snap your fingers and you do. And, and still, this is a relatively new company, but fast growing. And the question is, how are you going to maintain this mission and purpose focus as you grow and scale? And I think that's one of the challenges you're aware of that is important to you in terms of the people that you hire and and bring on. And, uh, and I think the last and most important one is this idea of what's what makes a great leader. And that's doing the right thing, even when it's hard. And uh, that's something that all of us have to do as leaders. It's not easy for us to do. It's maybe not easy for people sometimes to understand why we make the decisions that we do. But that's what leadership is about and ultimately allows you to not only build and grow the careers, but in your case with Genexa, I think you guys really are going to make the world a better place. And uh, so I really appreciate you being on our podcast today. Thank you very much, Paul. It's, it's truly an honor to be here. You've had, as your, your listeners know, you've had a really remarkable career yourself. And it's actually quite the things you've done and, and you've accomplished on a personal note are actually quite inspirational for me. So I'm, I'm really really happy to be able to have the opportunity to be here and, and to speak with you and your listeners. And we also, we also created a, a special discount code, which, which your listeners could use if they, if they're, they want to go to genexahealth.com. It's our website is G E N E X A H E A L T H.com genexahealth.com. And the discount code is, is purpose. It's P-U-R-P-O-S-E. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for doing that, Max. We'll all uh, take you up on that and go in and make ourselves and our families healthier. Continued success in your journey. 
And thank you for joining me on this episode of the Growing With Purpose podcast. Until next time.